You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. talk a little bit and we're going to get back into worship a little bit. I don't always enjoy skipping over passages, but I'll be honest, in Isaiah there's a lot of times where it feels good to skip over some passages. <laughs> because Isaiah can get you down just a little bit. And that feels a little unfair to be skipping that part because he's got a lot to say throughout Isaiah 3. So, when you go home later, read Isaiah 3. Because here's one of the amazing parts about Isaiah 3. If you're reading through Isaiah 2 and Isaiah 3 and then Isaiah 4, you don't see Isaiah 4 come. Like, it's just not in your mind that this is where we're going. And yet, that's what we're going to be looking at today, is Isaiah 4. Uh, in Isaiah 4, there's suddenly, after all of this, bad things cometh, be prepared, you know. Suddenly, Isaiah 4 is like, and there will be this beautiful presence of God coming for the faithful. So it, it kind of slaps you in the face after like three chapters of, of doomsday type stuff. Uh, but I'll go ahead and read it to you now out of Isaiah 4. And then you'll go home later and read Isaiah 3. So I'm not being biased. I'm pulling out positive passages here. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> Isaiah 1, 2, 3 are so long. And then Isaiah 4 is like this paragraph. So Isaiah 4, 2. In that day, remember, bad things everywhere. And then all of a sudden, in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. And cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. You know, we recently came out of Revelation, and at the end of it, there's these beautiful pictures painted. If you think John's just coming up with this out of nowhere, you haven't read Isaiah and the other prophets. They've been talking about this forever, this day of judgment in which everything on the earth that is wrong will be wiped out, and everything that is right will be made perfected beyond the rightness it currently is. And then God's presence comes to live on the earth in fullness, and we put on resurrected bodies and come and live on the earth with him in fullness. And Isaiah here paints this beautiful picture. If we're paying attention, we see this beautiful picture of God's presence just invading the earth. Number one, we're up on a mountain. We've talked about this in the past weeks. The mountain is this place where God was expected to be living. Mountain of Jerusalem, Mount Zion, so they called it. And then we have these other pictures painted too. We have pictures of, of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of shining fire by night and smoke. And all these are images that the Bible's used to talk about God's presence as well. Remember Exodus? They're walking through the wilderness. What's leading them? It's a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. 
And the angel of the Lord, which from biblical understanding is God or Jesus himself made angelic like (laughs) is there in front of them, leading them forward. And here we see God show up again. It's the branch of the Lord, Isaiah says, and the branch that maybe you've heard that famous prophetic word. There's a, a shoot out of the stump of Jesse shoot branch. These are all Messiah words. One day the Messiah will come. He will put things right. Our sins will be washed away. The things that we're guilty of, the blood that's on our hands will all be washed away. Things will be made right. The Holy Spirit will produce in us all the fruit that we need and could ever want. And then one day the fullness of resurrection comes and we live in the fullness of God's presence, the canopy of glory. And that's ahead of us, but you also catch previews of it today. You catch previews of heaven through Jesus throughout the scriptures. Because when God shows up on the earth and walks around, people touch him and they get healed. It's like heaven bursts out of him. He touches people with demons and the darkness flees out of them. There's abundance of food. There's abundance of what people need. He's spending time with the lowest, lowliest of these. He's love everywhere he goes and heaven's bursting out of every corner of his ministry. In the same way, God's presence, though the book of Revelation and Isaiah show us one day it comes in fullness. It's already here at the same time. That's all throughout the Bible. This it's already here, but not yet. That's the same case with passages like this, because I've seen the presence of God show up before, as many of you have. And some of us have seen it in all different kinds of ways. Some of us have just sensed it in the conviction of an altar call. Others of us have been walking through a forest and suddenly we just feel this compulsion to worship God. But then there's these times where we gather, where the presence shows up, where that cloud of of smoke where that pillar of fire where that shininess shows up sometimes literally the jews had a word for it they called it the shekinah shekinah glory shekinah. i don't know if that's how you pronounce it but i've been told shekinah is not actually how you pronounce it so shekinah we'll say that sounds more hebrew i guess the shekinah it was this this thing that they they used it was this word they used to talk about the glory of god when it comes and you see it all throughout the bible yes god is omnipresent god is everywhere i get that people push back at me all the time when i'm talking about ah god's presence is here well jamin god's everywhere i get it but biblically god manifestly like focuses sometimes his presence into one area You see that in the Bible at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. God's presence is so manifest that they see him walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You see it with Abraham, who has apparently seen God before, because when God comes walking in at one day, he's like, oh, hey, God, how you doing? Go get some pizza. You know, like it's. It's these random moments where God's presence shows up. You find it sometimes in the threshing floors throughout the Bible. You find it sometimes in the tabernacles throughout the Bible, in the mountains of the Bible. There are these sacred places that they believed that you could sometimes find these spiritual portals of sorts. That's Jacob's ladder. It's a weird story. He has a dream about a ladder which angels move up and down. And he wakes up, he's like, oh, we're in a sacred spot. I didn't know, my bad. You know, like, <laughs> back up, angels moving up and down around here. There are these moments where God's presence, though it is everywhere and God is not absent anywhere. There are moments where God's presence becomes more manifest. And that's something that our particular block of Jackson needs. 
we've learned this throughout the years. Yeah, you walk this way and you hear, uh, yeah, we, we would like it to be quieter. But you walk right across Greenwood and you hear, we would like less drug houses, uh, less gunshots. And then you see it continue to expand. This week, I brought the kids to church. And as we arrived at church, just McNeil, this whole block of our church, just shut down because somebody was shot. Or somebody shot, at least. I showed up late. I'm not entirely sure what happened. News articles didn't know either yet at the time. But our road shut down. There is sometimes other presences, other spiritual presences that can take over areas. And you really want the Shekinah to break through. You really want the glory of God, that canopy of God to break through so that you in your place can be a signal to the rest of your neighborhood. Come here, meet God, see what happens. That rumors start to go out just like they would with Jesus. Rumors would go out. Did you hear Janice had her heart healed? (laughs) Did you hear Janice had her voice healed? Did you hear Janice gets healed too much? (laughs) Along with all the other kind of crazy healing stories that we've heard throughout the years. Sometimes we think, oh, they just they're so rare. But if you look back over the years, you'll find more than you think to hear the stories of, oh, we went there and these these things happened. People were falling over under the glory, under the canopy of of presence of God. We don't know how to explain it. There's someone had a demon cast out those kinds of stories. To show the world what Jesus looks like in flesh. To show the world what Jesus looks like on the 1208 address on the block of Greenwood, right in the Flatiron District of Jackson. When the neighborhood starts to catch a glimpse of the presence of God, they want to go check it out. That's how Methodism got started. I'm still convinced it wasn't John Wesley just was a really smart guy and for some reason a bunch of drunken Europeans at the time really wanted to go out in fields and listen to him preach. No, they wanted to, we've heard these crazy things happen, people falling to the floor and all these other things. The the presence, the Shekinah, the glory of God, that canopy, is that real? Let's go check it out. These people are crazy. That's the starts of Methodism. That's the starts of every great revival. Charles Finney praying and suddenly he He's just overwhelmed with a shockwave of God's presence. And out of that begins his ministry. John Wesley, who first kind of subtle, feels his heart strangely warm. But then while praying on New Year's, suddenly the presence just comes on him and him and all of his friends are on the floor laughing. See, when people catch glimpses of the glory of God in your church, they can't help but wonder. They can't help but want to go check it out and see what all this crazy stuff is about. I remember when I was in a Pentecostal church for a while, <laughs> uh, apparently midweek, one of the lights outside just like caught fire. I, I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm afraid of lights altogether now, but the light just catches fire. And the neighbors, their first instinct is, we've heard about this crazy stuff happening at this place. <laughs> like, no, guys, our light bulb's just dif- dysfunctional. <laughs> don't freak out. But the first instinct instead was, oh, the presence of God. <laughs> That's what I want our neighborhood to see. That's what I've always wanted. That's why we spent time teaching on spiritual gifts and trying to gear us up to to show the world what Jesus looks like, not just in the natural with the way that we live our lives and the character that that we pursue and the ways in which we show the world that Jesus would teach and care about and live and, and what he looks like in his word. 
but also to show them the supernatural side of who he is. That when we get close to Jesus, when we pursue God, the God of the universe, the, the God who comes to bring life and life abundant, not the, not the God of this world who seeks to kill and destroy. When we're chasing after Jesus, heaven just naturally has a way of breaking out. Miracles begin to happen. See, Isaiah's picture is this thing of beauty, of something that is down the road from right now. But it's something that's already here and breaks out from time to time. And if we want that here, it's going to require a lot of spiritual warfare. If you've ever walked into a place and felt the atmosphere shift spiritually, it's hard to explain. Some people have that gift. I remember when we were looking for a house to buy to move some Spring Arbor students in who would serve in in a project that we were working at 1208. We walked into one house and one of the people that went with me is just like, ooh, this place is not good. (laughs) It's like, what What are you talking about? Woo, you know? (laughs) No, again, you just sense that there's something different here. Good news as a Christian is we can walk in and wipe that out, which is what we do when uh, people buy houses. Often they'll invite uh, me or someone else over to pray over the house and cleanse it from what was there before. And then install it as a space for God's presence to come. There's other times where I've sensed it. There's a job that I used to work, and every time I got off the highway right there, it's like the atmosphere just shifted as soon as you reached it. We had some college students here once who were like, do you sense this neighborhood? I used to when I first moved here. But when you live in it every day, you get kind of used to it. Trading out the powers that be with the power of God it takes effort on our behalf. It's not just something that often happens in the snap of the moment. There are some real things that need to be battled. To allow God's presence to come. And we've caught the glimpses here and there, but I want to catch more. So I'm sure you do as well. I think of John Wimber started the Vineyard Church movement. Like he was just praying for people to be healed every night. Because he was convinced that people could be healed according to the Bible. So he would pray and pray every night. Would they be healed? Would they be healed? Would they be healed? And nothing would happen. Until finally, after several months... Just a sudden breakthrough, and now people are getting healed left and right. Just because we see it, and because we don't see it several times before, doesn't mean we give up. Doesn't mean that we stop. And in in 2020, there's a lot of pressure to stop. There's a lot of pressure to hold back. There's a lot of pressure to say, this is just really hard, and I need a break. But it's in those moments where the Holy Spirit challenges us and questions us and says, are you going to take joy in these moments too? Are you going to keep pushing forward in these moments too? Or will you only search for me when it's easy? Will you only come to me when it seems like I'm standing right next to you? Or when the world's falling apart, will you say, God, even if it costs all of my dignity, all of my time and effort, even in this moment, I'm going to chase after you anyways. It's a challenge. It's a question. And oftentimes Christianity has made itself something that pursues God when it's easy. And as soon as it gets difficult, it's like, I'll wait for the next wave of Holy Spirit stuff to come through. (laughs) 
My professor would tell me that sometimes. He's like, yeah, we, we, uh, we used to see uh, all these kinds of things happen, and then it just kind of paused. And, and it seems like sometimes God moves in waves. And there's this, often this, this feeling in those moments where it's like, well, I'll wait for the next wave to ride then. That's not the case. If you want the next wave to come, God wants you to partner in creating it. To send spiritual shockwaves across your area. There's more going on than just our eyes can perceive. More going on that the prophets knew about and questioned God about. Daniel, right? Hey, God, I, I just, I, I got this question. I had this vision. Don't understand it at all. <laughs> Would you please explain? And then he starts fasting for 20, 21 days. And finally, an angel shows up. He's like, okay, I'm here to explain. What was going on during that time? Spiritual warfare. That angel said, sorry, I ran into another, like, god of another country. Ran into another powerful spiritual being over this area. It was kind of hard to get here. What was Daniel doing that whole time that enabled something in the spiritual realm to break through? He's praying and fasting and waiting, even if he was going to end up fainting on the ground. What does Jesus do at the start of his ministry that unlocks the crazy glory presence in his life? He's in the wilderness praying and fasting and not having a good time, but fighting off the temptation, a temptation that will face him for the rest of his ministry. Jesus, there's another way to get the world and it doesn't have to take the cross. That's not just the desert. That's every moment of his life. Peter comes along. Jesus, far be it from you to die. Oh, get behind me, Satan. Keep that temptation off of me. He's in the garden praying, crying, tears of blood, sweating blood. And he's praying, God, if there's another way, could we do that? But if not, I'll follow you even in the hard time. And out of that comes the cross, the biggest wave of glory anyone's ever ridden. What will you do in this moment? How will you handle 2020? Or whatever else is going on in your life. Whatever else is going on in our church. A room that was once filled with 70 to 90 people every night. Now filled with 30 to 40 spread out very thin. What will you do at this moment? Will it stop you or will it empower you? So as we ask God to bring his presence into 1208 and that it would burst out of here through our lives and even just create a space where people would sense him when they walk by. As we do all of that, we're going to start by worshiping. So a band can come up and what the Bible tells us is God is enthroned upon our praises. If, if we want God to reign over Jackson, to reign over this block, then let's praise, let's sing, let's rejoice. And let's see God show up. That's what the Psalms do all the time. David writes over and over again. I will wait upon the Lord. I will wait upon the Lord. Why does he keep writing this? Well, it's a habit that he's come into when he's writing poetry. Because if he just writes poetry out of his own mind, it doesn't always equate to very much. But if he waits upon the Lord, suddenly he starts writing prophetic poetry about a man he doesn't know who is to come. Suddenly he starts having visions. Suddenly the presence of God, that canopy of glory, that Shekinah, starts to break through. Today I could use that breakthrough. Maybe you can too. 
So the question with these songs is will we treat them as just songs or will we join with the prophet Elisha who knew that if he wanted to find God's presence to prophesy over someone else, he needed a musician first. It's not the only tactic to get to the glory presence of God, but it is a prophetic tactic, biblically proven, to help us get there. So let's build a throne and let's see what happens. Uh, if any of our prayer team is available to pray, they'll be over there. If it's too loud, they'll walk you into that back room to pray with you. Uh, and we're just going to spend uh, the rest of our time together just singing, praising, specifically on these themes that, that asking for God's presence to come. So would you join me in prayer? God, you inhabit the praises of your people. We want more of you. And sometimes, sometimes I feel foolish getting up on stage and preaching this message for the umpteenth time after nine years. It's a message that anyone who's been here for some time has heard me say over and over again. It's one of those moments where you're like, is it going to happen this time? And God, I, I come just putting myself at your feet without expectation. Knowing that you are everywhere, where two or more are gathered, there you are. Even when I'm alone by myself, there you are, sometimes even more potently. But we want your presence here. We want your glory here. We want it to make a difference, not just in our own lives, but in the lives around us. We want to be missional with your presence. Jesus, come and make space. Baptize this place with holy fire. We are yours, yours alone. In Jesus' name.